0: In the name of Jesus, amen. It wasn't the typical answer that you would expect from a first to second grade boy in response to a question asked during the children's talk. I remember that it was Sunday, June 25th, and we were commemorating the presentation of the Augsburg Confession. There was a lot of information about that stuffed in the worship bulletins. And the lady who led the children's talk that day decided to focus upon the Augsburg Confession and the importance of confession. And so she told the story of Martin Luther and the Reformation. She told how very often in the church, the church has not faithfully confessed the gospel. In fact, there have been enemies of the church, false Christians who really didn't believe the truth. Nevertheless, the Lord was faithful, he preserved his gospel... And therefore, in response, we should want pastors to faithfully proclaim that gospel. We as congregations should faithfully confess that gospel. Then she suddenly stopped and she asked this question. But what should we want to happen to those enemies of the truth? Those false pastors and those hypocritical Christians? And I think she was hoping for some kind of, well, very nice, loving evangelical response like, well, we want them to believe in Jesus too. But there was this one boy who always tended to be very outspoken in children's talk, and he rose his hand and he said, they should die. In fact, he was much more brutal than that. He said, they should die like pigs in hell, and we should see it. There was a gasp of horror for most in the congregation, And some laughter. And that sort of put the end, in effect, to that children's talk. The leader couldn't recover from that one. But you know, this boy was not displaying some unholy bloodlust, desiring to see God's vengeance just for the sake of seeing people punished. In fact, she had sort of set him up for that answer. I think he had more of an affinity with the Apostle Paul in Galatians, when in chapter 1 he wishes anathema upon those who proclaimed differently than he did and then later wishes that other bad things would happen to them. This boy later defended himself by saying with a bit of shock and outrage, there are pastors who don't speak the truth, there are Christians who aren't really Christians but they say they are and they don't really believe in Jesus and they're trying to trick us. Man, that's really messed up. And when I stopped and thought about it, I said, you know, man, that really is messed up. It's as if the whole world, including the visible church, were a field in which Jesus had planted his seed, the sons of the kingdom, but the devil had planted his seed, the sons of the evil one, and there they were standing together just like wheat and weeds. And it would be nice if God would come and pluck some of those weeds out now, sort of lift them up into heaven, maybe every hundred years, and blast them. So we could all look and see. yep, see, we knew that confession was false, we knew that teaching was a lie, but instead he's chosen to wait until the last day. But see, our Lord is faithful to us, and he warned us about this ahead of time in the parable of the wheat and the weeds. He warned us this is the way it's going to be from the time he came until the time he comes again. The sons of the kingdom will stand beside the sons of the evil one, and we won't see the final distinction now. He's going to wait till the end, and so we're called in faith to wait until the end. This parable gets misinterpreted when it's understood in a hyper-Calvinist way, sort of like God has elected the wheat and the weeds, and forever their fate is kept distinct and fixed. Almost as if we can't really tell who's who. For all you know, you may be sitting next to a weed right now. Or, aha, you might be the weed. I've heard this parable preached this way, and the answer was, well, we have to look to our fruits to see if we're weed or wheat. Well, that's not what this parable's about. And then there's kind of that hyper-evangelical interpretation where it says, well, we were all tares, and Jesus changed us into wheat, and now we've got to preach to the tares so that they become wheat, too. Yes, we were sinners whom Jesus saved, and we ought to proclaim the gospel to sinners so they will be saved. But again, that is not what this parable is about. See, the gospel event in this parable began at the beginning when the owner of the household, the Lord of the field, planted the good seed. There's the gospel event. Jesus came and established the kingdom of God, but in a hidden way. It was established through his word, the proclamation of the gospel. And that word has the authority in and of itself to create faith and new life in those who hear. Many heard but did not believe. Nevertheless, the word of God accomplished the purpose he sent it out for. Many heard and were called to faith. And then Jesus fulfilled his ministry of preaching and teaching when he went to Jerusalem in accordance with the will of his Father. And because he was faithful in teaching and preaching... He was rejected by the rulers, handed over to the Gentiles, mocked, scourged, spit upon, crucified, killed, and in three days he rose again. And so the Son of Man gave his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus saved his people from their sins. And the work continued when he sent out his apostles to proclaim this word, to baptize and teach. And so in the course of time, this word of the kingdom has come to you. You have been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You have been taught. You have received this word. Jesus has been faithful, and he has created this life and faith in you. You are the planting of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Satan had his counter move, planting the bad seed... And so it has been from the beginning until the end. The sons of the kingdom stand with the sons of the evil one, the wheat and the weeds. But he's decided to wait. It may be a mystery, but he's decided to wait because he doesn't want any of you to be lost. He won't let his servants pull the tares in case some of the wheat is lost. That may be stupid farming, but therein we see our Lord's concern and love for you the seed that he has planted. And so he waits, and we are called to faithfully wait. Yes, this calls for us to watch and pray, lest we should fall into temptation. It calls for us to stand fast into the end, to confess Jesus before men, knowing that many who have been enemies of the truth have been called to faith. Nevertheless, many have not. But we wait for the Lord to come and make that distinction, and he will come, the harvest will take place, you will be gathered into the kingdom of the Father, and the weeds will be burned. But see, our Lord is faithful to you, he told you about this ahead of time. And remember, the house and the field belong to him, not to Satan. The good seed belongs to him, and it remains until the end. And look, the harvest belongs to him, not to the devil. It's not the demons who carry it out. It's the angels of our Father who will carry it out. And see, he's not left us without his gifts. We have his word of gospel. We have baptism. We have his supper that we receive today. His body given for you. His blood shed for many. Shed for you. For the forgiveness of your sins. You are the planting of the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows you, and he will be faithful. And so in faith we wait for that last day. And now may the Lord Jesus Christ, he who owns the field, he who plants the seed, he who is Lord of the harvest, keep and preserve you in this life and faith, both now and unto that day. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.